left. Creep catcher pleads guilty. Why Ryan LaForge has to change his brand of vigilante justice. Wildfires out of control. It's still uh, obviously uncontained. BC's top hotspots and the one month critical to the rest of the season. And job killer. We want them to scrap this tax. Is the employer health payroll tax really as bad as business says it is? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The leader of Surrey Creep Catchers finds out vigilante justice has its limits. Ryan LaForge pleaded guilty to charges in connection with a pair of stings the group carried out last year outing suspected child predators. Grace Key has more on LaForge's punishment and what he had to say about it outside the courthouse. Surrey Creep Catchers president Ryan LaForge walks into court defiant. First, flipping off our camera and then flashing a note that he wrote while in the security line. LaForge pleaded guilty to two counts of assault stemming from the group's controversial sting operations against alleged pedophiles. The judge said there was no place for vigilantism in a civil society and the group puts innocent bystanders in danger. You know, I had to do what I had to do and do I regret it? Not at all. These are the type of people that when they leave and when they get out, they run home and they release children from their basements or they destroy um, computers with child porn, whatever it may be. I will f***ing end your life! You f***ing understand! Both incidents happened last April at Surrey's Central City Mall. Creepcatcher video posted online shows LaForge pushing the men and uttering threats. In the first sting, it's alleged the man was there to have sex with a six-year-old child. Burnaby resident Kaljinder Singh Bati faces charges of trying to lure a minor for a sexual purpose and for making an arrangement with a person for a sexual offense involving an underage person. His trial is set for August. You're under f***ing Susan's rest. Last week, former Creepcatcher Lance Loy pleaded guilty to a assault in the April 19 incident, he received a conditional discharge and 12 months probation. The judge handed down LaForge the same sentence. LaForge vowing to continue outing alleged pedophiles on social media. The website's not going anywhere. Everything will always be on the website. I won't be doing any citizen's arrest anymore. Everything will be just just um, for the exposure. It'll just be you know finding out where they work, who their, their families are, and letting everyone know that has children around them that this person saw fit to meet a child. LaForge's conditions include no contact or social media reference of the two individuals involved in last April's sting operations. Grace Key, Global News. A constitutional challenge to B.C.'s drunk driving laws has been dismissed. A B.C. Supreme Court judge ruling today the current law allowing police to issue immediate 90-day roadside driving bans is valid. While drivers can ask for a review of their case, the onus is on them to prove they are innocent. Those challenging the policy believe the burden of proof should be on the police. More tonight about a fatal crash that shut down Highway 1 for hours over the weekend. It happened just outside of Chilliwack when an eastbound vehicle crossed over a grassy median and into a westbound car, killing the passenger. John Hua explains what we're learning about the victim. Seeing the wreckage, witnesses knew this weekend crash on Highway 1 just east of Chilliwack was devastating. It was traumatizing to see, so I can't imagine that people are actually in there. But the true impact of this tragedy was felt Monday morning at Anne McClymont Elementary School in Kelowna. It is um, the loss of one of our colleagues and, you know, somebody who's very important to a group of students in that school. 
31-year-old kindergarten teacher Taya Lloyd did not survive the crash. On social media, a parent of a student writes, Taya was the epitome of how a kindergarten teacher should be. She adds, and it showed on every one of her students' faces every morning. Anytime you get tragic news of the loss of uh, one of your colleagues or uh, somebody that's working with children, it, it just impacts you, uh, impacts your heart. Lloyd was a passenger in the black Toyota Tacoma, driving with her 29-year-old husband headed westbound Saturday morning. When police say a white GMC pickup heading the opposite direction crossed the grass median, hitting the couple head-on. Lloyd was five months pregnant at the time of the crash. You know, you first hear of this accident and you're just devastated for her, but the fact that that child won't experience that woman as a mother is um, devastating. Both Lloyd's husband and the 46-year-old Chilliwack driver of the other vehicle remain in hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. RCMP say the exact cause of the collision is still under investigation. In Kelowna, counseling teams are in place at the school helping students cope with the loss of their beloved Ms. Lloyd. John Hua, Global News. A man who pleaded guilty to his part in a hit and run that killed a 16-year-old girl has been sentenced to 10 months in jail. Jennifer Gady was struck and killed in November of 2016 while waiting for a bus in Kamloops. In April, 43-year-old Jason Gourlay pleaded guilty to failing to remain at the scene of an accident and destroying evidence. The Crown had asked for a sentence of 11 to 14 months in jail, while Gourlay's lawyer asked for time served. A week after entering the guilty plea, Gourlay apologized to Gady's family. I would ask you to pose to any reasonable person walking down the street whether or not they felt that that was justice. Uh, and I, I just don't think anybody, any reasonable person, would say that justice has been served today. Gourlay was given 156 days credit for time served meaning he will serve less than half of the 10 months handed to him. Richmond RCMP are appealing to the public for information about a shooting. It happened early yesterday morning. RCMP responding to reports of gunfire on Saunders Road near Garden City Road. Officers found a 30-year-old Richmond man who is well-known to police suffering from a gunshot wound. While they believe the incident to be targeted, Richmond RCMP are asking anyone with information to give them or Crime Stoppers a call. It's not even summer, and already there are a number of wildfires burning around B.C. The warm weather and wind are creating an early challenge for fire crews. Jeff Hastings has, or Jeff Hastings has more on the threat and what it could mean for the season ahead. You don't need to hear the roar of the flames to know that whoever shot this video is in a very dangerous place. The nearly 17,000 hectare Tommy Lakes fire is raging out of control northwest of Fort St. John. A video like this, uh, you know, folks are best to uh, to marinate on what they're seeing on the screen here in terms of uh, just how dire the situation can be out there, volatile conditions. Northwest of Kamloops, the Alley Lake fire has led to an evacuation order and alert. 2,700 hectares and 35% contained, but there is worry about high wind whipping up flames and driving the fire in a new direction. There are 73 wildfires burning in B.C. right now, a normal number for this time of year, but these blazes have been unusually intense. We've had uh, unseasonable hot and dry conditions for about, uh, well, nearly a month now, 6 to 10 degrees above average, and so that means we're seeing fire activity right now that's more reminiscent of what we would see in, in early July. 
27 kilometers from Merritt, the Chataway Lake fire is weakened. 70% contained, hit hard Sunday by an aerial assault from the Kamloops Air Base. 40 hectares, highly visible, but for the time not a threat to structures. Be aware of smoke and be mindful that there are crews and aircraft working in the area. And generally just be careful. The danger is widespread. This is the Shisham Creek fire west of Lillooet, partially contained by 82 fire personnel aided by air support and heavy equipment. Saturday, the popular Mission Hill winery in West Kelowna was evacuated as flames crept up the hillside towards the tower. Firefighters have their fingers crossed that unlike last year, BC sees a normal wet June with lots of rain to keep the risk under control. Until we've seen that June rain, uh, how much of it comes, where it falls, how long it lingers for, that's really going to set the stage for how uh, the 2018 season plays out. Jeff Hastings, Global News. Well, there is a certain area of science that can provide some of those answers. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. Christy, the next few weeks are going to be critical, according to the B.C. Wildfire Service. Yes, definitely. Now, Chris, uh, this week is looking cooler and wetter, but it's too early to know specifics about June. Here's the long-range forecast for June, July, and August on average, though. The dominant pattern of the jet stream is expected to be a ridge up and over western Canada. This will mean below normal precipitation, likely across the lower two-thirds of the province. Now, continuing with this current trend of very dry conditions and on top of that, temperatures are forecasted to be above uh, normal across the entire province. Now, Chris, as a footnote, great news from the River Forecast Centre this morning, all flood watches in the province have now ended, meaning the potential for further flooding is no longer expected. All right, thanks very much for that, Christy. And in a Soyuz tonight, water levels are dropping. And some evacuees are returning home to heartbreak. Residents assessing the damage and trying to salvage irreplaceable items lost in the flood. Global's Shelby Tom reports. This was my memories of my husband and my, and that, my mom. Mary Cantwell clutches a storybook damaged in the Asuyas floodwaters. Her husband died last year and it's an irreplaceable memento. This was the only thing that I felt really bad about losing. I didn't want to lose this, but it was in water floating around on the floor. And I said, I have got to save it. So I bought it upstairs and I laid it out on the deck. A lifetime of memories are strewn across Cantwell's lawn as she tried to rescue items from rising water in her basement. And the water is up to about up there, a foot and a half in some places to two foot in other places. It's a similar story across the street where Tom Sewell came to the aid of his 86-year-old father. He also recently lost his partner and is now dealing with the aftermath of destructive high water. It's a huge double whammy and uh, he's beside himself. He just, this was his life, you know, and and, uh, it's just all been taken from him. As the lake levels subside, most evacuation orders and alerts were rescinded on Friday. Asuyas Lake peaked at 916.41 feet above sea level on May 11th. And over the past 10 days, it's dropped by approximately two feet. We are hoping that um, if we do see a rise, it's not going to be significant. The town is asking residents to keep sandbags in place. Because the lake levels are still high. Families are returning home to heartbreak. Some question where the help is. Where is the relief? Like, where is all this uh, funding they're talking about, and how do you access it? Others salvaging what is left and trying to move on from a near-historic flood. Shelby Tom, Global News, Asias. 
Small and medium businesses are bracing for impact this January when the province's new employer health tax is set to take effect. According to a new report, they will bear the brunt of the changes. Ted Trinecki breaks down the financial hit and how businesses say they'll cope. Downs Construction is just one of the many small businesses who say the new employer health payroll tax is going to cost them thousands of dollars more. It means that next year we're going to have to come up with another $60,000 to meet the requirements of the new tax. Contrary to the government's claim that 85% of small business would not be impacted by the new tax, an independent study commissioned by the Vancouver Board of Trade and the Independent Contractors and Business Association found a very different result. 61% of those surveyed say they will pay. 36% say they'll, in fact, pay twice for their staff's medical services premium. 28% say they'll have to reduce benefits, while 24% say they will reduce staff. We are going to get hit with a new $50,000 bill that we didn't have before. Yes, even the Board of Trade, a small non-profit, takes a $50,000 hit. Well, the finance minister admits... The survey was a hot topic in today's question. I think it's important to know that it is 249 businesses uh, who self-selected to take part in the survey. Uh, so we will continue to use the Ministry of Finance's data. It doesn't take many employees to suddenly find your payroll has hit the half-million-dollar mark, which triggers the new tax. Raise the threshold. Raise it dramatically. Because $500,000 as a payroll is capturing a whole lot of small businesses in the high-tech sector who can employ as few as six, seven people and hit this threshold. Back at Downs Construction, home to about 55 employees, the owner doesn't want to lay anyone off, is considering trimming back some of the charity events they sponsor, but ultimately hopes the NDP will rethink this tax. I think the idea in general is really good. They just need to come up with a better way of making it happen. Ted Chernecki, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria with more on the NDP's new taxes and the impact. Keith? Yeah, we're talking about a substantial amount of new taxation, uh, Sophie, uh, introduced and unveiled in this year's uh, budget back in February. Uh, we're talking about a lot of money and a lot of new taxes. So they had to make up some revenue when they scrapped the MSP premiums. But here's what we're talking about. You just, just saw Ted's story in the payroll tax. That's going to bring in $1.85 billion over the course of a full year, starting next year. Uh, the speculation tax, uh, which a lot of people say is not a speculation tax, simply a tax on investment, $200 million over a full year. Uh, a couple of uh, areas the property transfer taxes were increased on various homes. That's going to bring in $121 million over a full year. And that tax on those high-end homes worth more than $3 million brings in $200 million over the course of a year. For the three-year fiscal plan outlined in the budget, we're talking a whopping $4.5 billion in extra taxation revenue coming in the government's way. So uh, uh, the tax increases we've seen here, quite unlike taxes increases we've seen for uh, well more than a couple of decades, Sophie. But uh, to balance the budget and take care of the housing problem to make up that MSP premium loss. Uh, that's why those taxes are on the table. Okay, from the provincial arena to the federal and uh, late news today, the feds may announce as early as tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, their intentions for the Kinder Morgan pipeline project. Yes, things moving very rapidly on that front. Tomorrow, the federal cabinet will convene two hours earlier than normal. Finance Minister Bill Morneau, according to the Canadian press, will table three options to, the, to his cabinet colleagues, either buy the pipeline outright uh, and uh, sell it eventually or uh, bring in private investors and have them run it. Uh, so we'll, we'll see exactly what uh, he has to say. It's not confirmed he's going to say it tomorrow, but it's either tomorrow or Wednesday. We should have a clear view of what the feds are going to do with Kinder Morgan. 
And a lot of people here will be listening for that. All right. Thanks, Keith. But first, two of Canada's largest banks are warning customers about possible cyber attacks. BMO and CIBC's online bank, Simply Financial, say fraudsters have accessed some client accounts. Aaron MacArthur has more on the potential data breach and how many customers could be affected. Here we go again. Over the weekend, thousands of people informed their banking information might have been compromised. Interact transactions cancelled and money left in limbo. Customers told to check their passwords. Cybersecurity experts warning people not to be complacent. We're seeing uh, data breaches, security breaches happening at financial institutions, uh, healthcare institutions right across the country and North America and the world. It's, we're becoming fatigued to it. The hack occurred at Simply Financial, CIBC's direct banking arm. The fraudsters from overseas telling the bank what they had done. Between CIBC and BMO, Simply manages 7 million accounts. Simply says 40,000 of its clients might be affected. BMO says 50,000. And while banks are among the most stringent when it comes to cybersecurity, the problems usually occur at the human level. Most known data breaches get, can be mapped back uh, in terms of a root cause to some sort of user interaction. So maybe they clicked a link that they shouldn't have or they sent out some information that they shouldn't have. There's, there's an underlying human component that most organizations don't do enough to, uh, uh, to solve. There have been suspect transactions reported across the country. Both Simply and BMO say no customers will be out of pocket for any fraudulent activity. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Green Party leader Elizabeth May pleading guilty to criminal contempt today in connection with her pipeline protest arrest earlier this year. May was fined $1,500 and will avoid a criminal record. The Green leader was arrested in Burnaby in March after violating an injunction during a protest at Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain Terminal outside uh, Trans Mountain Terminal. Now, outside court, May said she'll continue to fight the pipeline, but won't break the law. Will you do it again? Uh, No, I have no intention of violating the injunction of the court again. I will continue to protest the Kinder Morgan pipeline any way I can, and I will continue to make the point that the climate crisis is the existential threat to our society, to our country, to to our children, to our civilization, and I, I believe that I was acting under a sense of moral duty. More opposition tonight to a women's shelter proposed for New Westminster. Hundreds of residents have now signed a petition calling on the city to change the location of the project. Tanya Beja explains why the development, meant to help vulnerable women, is attracting so much opposition. Queensboro has about 6,000 residents and we have over 1,500 signatures. So this is not a small issue. Ashifa Danani is collecting names on a petition calling on the city and province to relocate a proposed temporary modular housing project. So this type of housing is needed, but this is not the right location. The city of New Westminster and BC Housing are looking to build the 44-unit development on land the city bought two years ago. Under the official community plan, it's considered park or community space, and residents want to keep it that way. We are a growing community. We definitely need the green space, and when it was first purchased, we understood this to be maybe a location for farmer's markets or for a lacrosse box or something like that that would add to the community. The project is geared towards homeless and vulnerable women and would be built next to a community centre and two schools. 
just feel that there is some safety concerns that we should be aware of um, with the sort of people that will be housed here. Again, definitely in support of the actual housing unit itself, just the actual location just isn't the right setting. People might begin to fear this area a little bit because um, people think that like maybe drugs might uh, begin to spread or any sort of crime. But some local business owners say the spot is ideal to give women a fresh start. You need to have a place for them to feel safe and then for them to be able to turn their life around. You can't do that when you're on the side of the road. Councillors will look at changing the zoning bylaw Monday night. Residents want them to consider other nearby potential locations instead. We just want to slow down. We want the city to say, we're going to talk to you, we're going to work through the issues, and we're going to make sure it's a successful project, successful for the residents and successful for the people who are going to be in the, in the project itself. Tanya Beja, Global News. Canadians can now weigh in on what they want to see in an air passenger bill of rights. When Canadians buy an airline ticket, it has to mean something. It's a contract for service and it imposes obligations on both the airline and the passenger. We are going to make sure that airlines treat their passengers with the respect they deserve and live up to their commitments. The public is being asked to help decide on the criteria for passenger compensation when people are bumped from flights or delayed. Ottawa has launched an online survey and will soon host in-person consultations with Canadians in eight cities. The framework for the legislation was introduced last year following cases of mistreatment and abuse of some flyers. And our next story highlights what you definitely don't want from your airline. It might make you hesitate before opening the sunroof, no matter how hot it gets in the driver's seat. A Kelowna woman says she was sitting in traffic last month when a foul discharge fell from the sky. As Kelly Hayes reports, she's positive it wasn't a bird. It splattered. We had it everywhere. We had it on our clothes, on the window, our face. It was May 9th when Susan Allen was pulling up to this intersection in Kelowna where something fell from the sky onto her car while she had the sunroof open. I looked up like this and it was smashing me in the face as I looked up into the sky. And when she looked up, she saw a large passenger plane and more debris falling from the sky. She knew right away it was not good. There was poop on my car from here, entirely across the hood, up over, down the side, over my entire roof, down here, all here. Alan's son Travis was in the front seat. At first, he thought the liquid had come from another vehicle. And I looked beside me because I thought the big truck beside us had like dumped an ice cap or something. But then the smell hit my nose and I'd almost vomited instantly. So then we shut this quickly and we drove as fast as we could two blocks to the nearest car wash and power washed my car and our bodies off. Alan also came up with an eye infection hours after the incident. In both eyes. Alan says she's complained to Transport Canada. Transport Canada tells Global News it's aware of the incident and is investigating. The Kelowna Airport, meanwhile, says there were no aircraft in the vicinity at the time. But Alan is sticking to her story and admits it's left her a little paranoid. And from now on, the sunroof stays shut. It's become a joke in the car now. If you open it, everybody grabs their shirt and pulls it over their head. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Kelowna. Get over! Get over! Get away! Get away from it! 
Yeah, no kidding. A terrifying scene on a busy Florida highway captured on video last month. The driver of that SUV unaware it was on fire. Another driver desperately tried to get her attention before the vehicle was engulfed in flames. Fortunately, the owner got out all right. Her 2012 Kia Sorento had been recalled due to an engine defect, but she claims she never got the recall notice for the used vehicle. Kia says it sent the recall to the customer's last known address and updated its records after being notified of the wrong address. It's unclear what caused the fire. Video of a violent takedown at a New Jersey beach is going viral. It shows a police officer repeatedly punching a young woman in the head. But authorities say the video doesn't tell the whole story. A disturbing confrontation caught on camera. An officer repeatedly punches 20-year-old Emily Wyman in the head, then throws her to the ground. Stop resisting! Tonight, Wildwood, New Jersey police investigating the incident, including what they say the camera didn't capture. Wildwood's public safety commissioner says Wyman hit an officer first, kicking him in the groin, then attempting to run away before a neighboring beachgoer started filming. Look, if we did something wrong, we don't bury it. But if we were right, which in this case I do believe we were, uh, the facts will come out. Weinman told her story in a Facebook post that's since been taken down. The underage Philadelphia woman saying police questioned her because she had alcohol, and she says she passed a breathalyzer test. But when officers asked her for her name, Weinman refused, and this happened. The officers involved are on administrative duty. Weinman faces a variety of offenses, including two counts of aggravated assault on a police officer, aggravated assault by spitting at or on an officer, resisting arrest, and a minor in possession of alcohol. All for a day at the beach gone out of control. Ann Thompson, NBC News, New York. It appears Harry and Meghan will honeymoon in a Canadian paradise. TMZ is reporting the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will spend their post-wedding getaway in Jasper, Alberta. The couple will reportedly be staying at the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, which has a history as a royal retreat. The resort says the couple is not currently booked for a stay and is declining further comment, saying the safety and privacy of their guests is a top priority. The Queen and Prince Philip have spent some time there, as well as Hollywood royalty, including Sir Anthony Hopkins and John Travolta. Well, there's another diet trend that's making the rounds. People are taking notice of the ketogenic diet or keto diet. But are the benefits worth the carbless torture? Here's a look at what the diet is all about. Is butter a carb? Almost no carbohydrates, but lots of fattening foods are allowed on the keto diet. And believe it or not, foods like steaks, ranch dressing, cheese are helping people like Michael Tracy to lose weight. March 17th. I was at 228 pounds. Um, This morning, I'm down to 204 pounds. He says it's helped with endurance for his fighting. But more importantly, researchers are amazed by studies indicating the keto diet is helping people lower insulin, eliminate seizures, and control symptoms of illnesses, including PCOS, migraines, and in a very small study, autism. The new trend is really something doctors have understood for a long time. By putting your body in ketosis, you basically burn fat instead of sugar. What they did not understand was just how incredible the results could be. I had one that was on four 
diabetic medicines completely off. Dr. Stephanie Campbell says she has several diabetic patients controlling their disease with keto. However, she warns this diet is not sustainable. It's really hard to not have any bananas or pineapple or whatever ever again in your life, right? Although Michael insists he's never going back. I'm going to keep going. Um, It really is a different way of living. Video is amazing. Roaring flash floods strike Ellicott City, Maryland Sunday, a community still recovering from similar devastation just two years ago. The amazing pictures after we check in with Christy and our weather forecast. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's been the opposite here yes. uh, with a lot of dry weather, Christy. Yes, that's certainly the case. So for three weeks now, we've had this big ridge of high pressure across our region that's kept us mostly dry and hot, except for the north coast. You've had a lot of rain. Uh, but that pattern is going to change this week. And you'll see that with looking at this model data, you can see the cool air pushing in across the province. It is going to be unsettled. The problem when we talk about the forest fires, you would think that unsettled weather means good news. It certainly means cooler temperatures, higher humidity and more rain, but it also means an increase in wind. So there is some good news and bad news when it comes to unsettled pattern with the fires. So here's a look at what we're expecting over the next 24 hours. Tomorrow morning, the majority of the showers across the north coast. You can see a number of showers pushing into areas like the Chilcotin, Whistler area and over towards Lillooet and especially through the afternoon hours. That exact area is going to get hit with more cloud and as I mentioned, it means the cooler conditions and the higher humidity but we're expecting winds, northwest winds gusting to 20, 30 kilometers an hour in that area that that is not good news for the fires, uh, uh, firefighters that are out there. Meanwhile, across the south coast, we will see a few showers push into our region as well. Temperatures tomorrow below average. We have not had below average temperatures in three weeks. It's going to feel chilly, in my opinion. Across the north, just a few showers. Now, things finally ease off for those of you on the north coast. So drier weather for the next 36 hours for you across the south. Just a slight chance of showers. Bulk of the instability or risk of thunderstorms in through the Columbia and the Kootenai region. But you can see the showers from Whistler extending over towards Kamloops and then down East Fraser Valley. You have a chance of showers tomorrow afternoon. And if you're along the North Shore, there's a slight chance. But most of Metro Vancouver will be dry. 17 as our high, though. Average is 18. And we maintain either below or near average temperatures throughout the week. Major, or not major rain, but more significant rain expected on Friday. And we haven't had significant rain since April. Just a quick look at your weather window for tonight. Thanks to Jody Cook from Nanaimo capturing that uh, action shot. Thanks so much. And BCAA Play Here Contest is back to give away three play space revitalization worth up to $100,000 each. Here's a look at the top two or two of the 10 finalists. In Coquitlam, the Mediated Learning Academy, a nonprofit independent school needs an inclusive and accessible play space for children with diverse special needs. And in Powell River, the Orca Bus needs help. This mobile play space visits rural areas that don't have their own playgrounds. But soon, it won't be be able to operate. Voting has already begun, and you can cast your vote now until June 17th, my birthday. Go to globalnews.ca slash bc slash contest or bcaaplayhere.com to cast your vote. Mark it on your calendar, folks. Thank you, Christy. Welcome.
A flood disaster is unfolding in the U.S. tonight as a one-in-a-thousand-year storm slams Ellicott City, Maryland for the second time in two years. Amidst hundreds of dramatic rescues, the frantic search for an Army National Guardsman swept away while trying to save lives. Tonight in Ellicott City, Maryland, a desperate search. I'm out here looking for him or trying to look for him um, because I know he would do the same for me. Addison Herman, a 39-year-old Air Force veteran and National Guardsman, was enjoying lunch in the historic downtown when a flash flood turned Main Street into a torrent. He waded in to help. A lady approached and indicated she was trying to find her uh, cat. He, along with some other folks, went back to assist her. Uh, and unfortunately, during that effort, uh, they saw him go under the water and not surface. The water moved with such force, this old stone courthouse here for nearly two centuries was no match. Watch as this man barely escapes. Cars tossed like toys. First floor businesses flooded. Many trapped. There's nothing you can do until somebody comes and gets it. This road completely washed away. Today, Callie Harris broke down, seeing the devastation left behind. She was in her third floor apartment and captured these videos as the water threatened. Everything started collapsing and cars started coming down, inventory started coming out, windows started breaking. The downtown devastated. For some, there is very little to come home to. So many businesses, so many residents, just everything's just taken away from them. Their livelihoods are just gone. Many had just reopened after another catastrophic flood in 2016. At the time, it was called a thousand-year flood. But two years later, officials say this one is worse. It can't just be really bad luck. How often do you get, you know, seven or eight, nine inches of rain in a four-hour, five-hour period? For many storm-weary residents now left to pick up the pieces, it's too much to bear. You don't know if you'll stay. I don't know. I don't know how I could after this. This was terrifying. I'll bet it was. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer to the question you will, you will pose. I will pose. There really is no right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. We'll pose it in a moment. First... If at the start of the season you had said Vegas and Washington would be in the Stanley Cup final, you would have been laughed at or pitied. Certainly you would have needed to take a drug test. But you would have been the only one who was right. Now, of course, that's a fictional story because absolutely nobody predicted it. As they say at Golden Knights games, welcome to impossible. I bet Alex Ovechkin never dreamed his Stanley Cup drought would have to be ended by playing in the desert. Here we go. It is nighttime. Golden Knights are ready. Capitals appear to be ready. Or are they? Because the first goal is the Knights. Colin Miller, power play, beats Braden Holpe. How often have we seen the Golden Knights score the first goal in a game in the playoffs? That made it 1-0. But then, Michael Kempney's shot, defected by Brett Connolly. The good guy who hands out pucks to little kids waiting at the glass. That made it 1-1. Then 42 seconds later, Nick Backstrom. Right place, right time. 2-1 for Washington. But the thing about the Golden Knights, they never go away. William Carlson gets the puck behind the net and jams it in and it's 2-2. And then, early in the second, as they celebrate outside and inside, the puck bounces right to Riley Smith, and he scores. But Washington is tied at 3-3 in the second period. LeBron James taking this group 
of Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals is like the Avengers being just Captain America and a bunch of mall cops, and they still save the world. Without LeBron, the Cavs don't make the playoffs. Now, he has a lot to say in who gets on this team, so in a way, he's a much better player than he is a de facto general manager. But the fact he got them this far, added to what he's done throughout his career, it is an intensified as well the debate between him and Michael Jordan as to who is the greater player, which really is an argument that can never be definitively won. LeBron's resume when compared to Michael Jordan's is certainly unique. He has been to eight straight NBA Finals with both Miami and Cleveland, which means he's not only playing elite basketball every year, his energy level, according to Celtics coach Brad Stevens, is almost inhuman. We've played now till May 25th and May 27th the last two years, and um, we started on September 25th. And that's every day, like every day, um, that you're totally focused on this. And he's gone past that eight straight times. It's ridiculous. Now let's not forget, the same word described what Michael Jordan was doing in the 90s. He won six NBA titles, which is three more than LeBron has won. And he has 10 NBA scoring championships. LeBron only has one. But if you're on Team LeBron, you can argue he might be the more well-rounded basketball superstar. He's a better passer and rebounder statistically than Jordan was. And he's gotten the most out of less talented teams. And if he can take this group to an NBA championship, that would be his greatest accomplishment ever. It could also tip the argument out of who was better to his favor. No Chris Paul, Houston, you have a problem. But you won't have a problem if James Harden can play MVP like basketball. Game seven against the Warriors. That's a three-pointer over Clay Thompson. And here he drives and scores. 34-23, Houston winner gets LeBron and the Cavaliers in the final. Eight, it was a Memorial Day in the States, so Blue Jays at Fenway Park where Andrew Benintendi hits a home run over the Green Monster. But that wasn't the most spectacular moment of today's game. No. The most spectacular moment was this. Jackie Bradley Jr. going all Willie Mays on Kendris Morales. Oh, nice catch. One more look. In the deepest part of Fenway, 8-3 final, Red Sox. Uh, Brazil Iron Man, that's a cool shot. And there's music as well. Uh, Kirsty John, North Van native, now lives in Colorado. She won the women's portion of this Iron Man race. Her first ever Iron Man, eight hours, 54 minutes, 58 seconds. Her first ever? Win. No, no, her first ever win. Oh, first I know. No, she has run Iron Man before. Anyway, her first, she's now under nine hours, so she's under the nine hour club. There you go. Oh, uh, Rafa Nadal. The King of Clay uh, has a two-love lead over Simon Bolelli, but they had to stop his match because of rain. So mm. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Coming up on ET Canada, Harry and Meghan honeymoon details, or is the prince just bluffing us? Plus, we go behind the scenes of 13 Reasons Why, and it's our preview of The Bachelorette. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right. Thanks, Paul. 
A dramatic rescue captured on camera in Paris on Saturday night that took the amazing effort of a real-life superhero. The rescuer, an undocumented migrant from Africa, now enjoying the nickname Spider-Man and a chance at a brighter future as his reward. Global National's Jeff Semple has the remarkable story. Around 8 o'clock Saturday evening, people in this Paris suburb heard a scream from this apartment building and looked up. To see a four-year-old boy clinging to a balcony railing. We heard people screaming and saw the little boy hanging on. We were very scared he would fall to his death, says the owner of the local pub. But then one of his customers literally leapt into action. Crowds below watched and filmed in amazement as a young man climbed the building, jumping and pulling himself up five floors, while another man tries to hold on to the child from next door. After just 30 seconds, the hoppy hero reaches the boy and lifts him to safety, all before firefighters had even arrived. Everyone was happy. It was impressive. You don't see something like that every day, says this resident. In the hours that followed, these videos of the rescue were viewed and shared millions of times online, fueling the speculation over the rescuer's identity. The mayor of Paris even gave him a nickname. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Likening his climbing abilities to those of a certain friendly neighborhood superhero. The mayor asking on Twitter, who is the Spider-Man of the 18th? A reference to the Paris neighborhood where the rescue happened. Before long, French journalists had found the answer. Mamoudou Gassama told reporters that he was watching a soccer game when he heard the screaming. I like children a lot. I didn't want for something bad to happen. It would have broken my heart, he says. The 22-year-old is an undocumented migrant from Mali who fled his war-torn country and arrived in Europe by boat last year. This morning, he traded his migrant shelter for a palace. Invited to meet the French president who personally thanked Gassama and offered a gift. This medal for courage, along with full French citizenship and a job in the local fire department. I'm glad because it's the first time I've ever won a trophy like this, he says. I'm happy. Thank you. Look out. Here comes the amazing Malian Spider-Man. Jeff Semple, Global News, London. You made it look so easy getting up there, too. Yeah. Well, when you're Spider-Man, you can do that you can kind do. of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, final word on the weather, Christine? Sure. So a very slight chance of showers for those of you in the Fraser Valley and along the mountains tomorrow. Most of Metro Vancouver should be dry tomorrow and Wednesday, but certainly cooler than what we've been enjoying and mm. uh, the more significant rain expected later Friday. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you for watching. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, all.